Welcome to True Paranormal, the podcast with your host, Leo Rizzuti. Every week we will explore such topics as ghosts, demons, poltergeists, haunted history, time shifts, cryptozoology, and other aspects of the paranormal through listener-submitted accounts, documentary studies, and interviews with the investigators that dedicate their lives to searching for proof of the unknown. So get a fresh cup of coffee, dim the lights, relax, and get ready for a short visit to the realm of the true paranormal. Hi guys, Leo Rizzuti here. Welcome to another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I would like to start off this episode by saying Happy Canada Day to all of our neighbors in the Great White North. I'm not really 100% sure what Canada Day represents. I am under the impression that it is essentially the Canadian equivalent of the 4th of July for us, which is also coming up this week. But at any rate, we have a lot of our Canadian brethren who listen to the show and who send us stories all the time. So we do want to give a shout out to you guys. Hope y'all have had a great weekend with that. We have got a lot of stories from you folks that y'all have been sending in. I want to thank you guys all for that. So let's go ahead and jump right into a few of those. Our first story of the evening comes to us from Higaki, and Higaki has titled it Unseen Household Member. Okay, Higaki, let's see what you sent to us. While I do not believe that our house was really haunted, we do have a lot of scary stories that happen there that I'd like to share. We could sometimes feel or even see unexplainable presences. For some reason, some children can see something too. Perhaps it is part of their playful nature, talking to themselves, like playing make-believe, having imaginary friends, and so on and so forth. In 2010, there was a family who rented our room downstairs. They had a three-year-old kid that was very talkative and smart. The walls in our house were such that you could often hear the conversations of others in another room. One time, we overheard him talking to his mother. Mommy, I have a new playmate. Look here. His mom replied, Where? There's nothing in there. You'd better go to sleep now. After that, he began talking a lot about his new friend, which at first, we just ignored and let him talk. But it got creepier and creepier as time went by. Even his mother's mom became worried about the unseen friend of his. Eventually, they went to consult an abaliaro, or faith healer, or something like that, to see if they could see what was going on. The abaliaro said that there was a spirit there, though it was harmless. They stayed with us a little while longer. A year after they left, one of my father's clients came to visit us together with her son. While they were all busy talking, the little boy went upstairs. He was a curious little kid. His mother kept on calling her son to go downstairs because he might break something in there. But my father told her not to worry and just to let him play. Then, later on, when they were about to go, she called out, Son, come here. We're going home. She called out to him several times before he finally came down. 
I thought you weren't going to come down. I was going to leave you here, his mother jokingly said. I have a playmate upstairs, the son replied. Oh, really? Then she turned to my father and asked, I see. I didn't know that you also have a little child. My father was surprised and said, no, we don't. There's no one upstairs. Upon hearing what my father said, the child insisted. No, there is. He pulled his mom. Mom, let's go upstairs. He's there, I swear. By that point, none of us were going to go upstairs to see what he was talking about. We were all horrified. Then recently, last October, my cousin from Cebu went to stay here for a little while while her husband was busy processing his documents with immigration abroad. They had their cute five-month-old baby with them. The child was well-behaved. She was always smiling and she seldom cried, but when she would, it would be very hard to stop her. One time, I woke up around 2 a.m. and was walking by the nursery. I saw my cousin standing there, cradling her baby and facing the wall. She looked weird standing in that position, so I asked her, Why are you facing the wall? She replied, She won't stop crying. But then I discovered that when I stand here, she will stop and eventually smile. I'm just waiting for her to fall asleep so that we can both lie down. I was confused, so I asked again, Why there? Is it because of the prints on the wall? Why not the wall in your room? What's the difference? She then said, I don't know. I already tried each corner in a couple of different rooms. Everywhere else, she acts like she sees an invisible friend there. Since then, every time my niece would cry, we all need to stand in the exact same spot to get her to calm down. No one knows why, but I think it has something to do with the same thing the other children were seeing. The only explanation is that I believe that we have an unseen household member here. Wow, Higaki, that's a really cool story. And I think that your experiences and your house are pretty similar to what a lot of people experience in haunted locations. The stereotype is that whenever you move into a haunted location or whenever you're there, you're going to see apparitions or you're going to see things move. And most of the time, that isn't actually the case. What you will instead get is you'll get a lot of unexplained feelings. You'll get a lot of unexplained reactions. And especially from children, uh, I agree with you that I think that children are very sensitive to what is commonly known as the paranormal, especially to ghosts and spirits and things like that, simply because they are not yet indoctrinated into a mindset of, well, these things can't be real. So to them, they just accept whatever they see and they just move on with their lives. Uh, there's a couple of different theories as to why that is. Again, I think it's just because they haven't uh, been exposed to a lot of information that tells them that these things aren't real but some folks think that it's because they are very young because they are just coming out of an experience that we don't know where they came from the theory is that children when they're born their soul was in an amorphous place that it was not 
obviously on this earth. And so wherever the soul comes from, it is still so close to being born that they are able to perceive things in that realm that we aren't necessarily as adults or as older people aren't able to perceive as readily. So again, and it's kind of the same thing where when you see animals react, when you see dogs and cats react, they don't have a filter to tell them, well, this can't possibly be real because it's a ghost or anything like that. They just react to what they see. Children are the same way. They aren't taught early on that ghosts can't be real. So whenever they experience an entity around them, they just react like, oh, well, this is fairly normal. It's a little boy. I'm just going to play with this little boy that wasn't here two seconds ago, but he's here now. So anytime you have a child that talks about their imaginary friend or their imaginary playmate, uh, kind of take that with a grain of salt. They might not just be using their imagination there. At any rate, Higaki, I really appreciate your story. Uh, thanks for sending that in. That was awesome. Our next story of the evening comes to us from Louise, and Louise has titled it Shadow Figure. Okay, Louise, let's see about Shadow Figure. A couple of years ago, I started noticing shadows from the corner of my eye. I'd been living in my apartment for two years when this started. This very large, man-shaped shadow would hang out in front of my bedroom door while I was sitting on the couch watching TV. For some reason, I started noticing random, shiny dimes on the floor. Now, we don't really use cash, choosing to only use cards to pay for things, so there would be no reason for dimes to suddenly appear. However, in the space of a few months, I found at least a dozen. One night, as I was preparing for bed, I walked towards the bathroom in the dark, intending to have my last bathroom break for the night. I didn't bother to turn on the light, as was my habit. As I passed the bedroom door, I felt a hand first cup and then lightly pinch my rear end. I was totally freaked out, of course, shrieked and ran to my son's bedroom to tell him what had happened. He was quietly lying in bed, watching his own TV, so it couldn't have been him. He got up and walked with me towards the bathroom and flipped on the lights. My hairdryer, which I kept plugged in all the time, had slipped off the top of the toilet tank and into the bowl. It wasn't quite in the water, but it wouldn't have taken much for it to fall in completely. The thought of what could have happened had I sat down in the dark made me wonder, did my mysterious visitor try to warn me of danger? After that, I would often see his shadow and once or twice he tried to get closer to me, but it scared me and I told him, look, you are freaking me out, so keep your distance. While it didn't stop him from appearing, it did keep him from getting close. One night, my son was watching a movie in his room and then decided to join me in the living room. He turned off the TV and left his bedroom. Suddenly, we heard the TV come back on. My son went to the back and turned it off again, but no sooner was he in the living room than it went on again. This went on a few times until my son addressed our visitor. Hey, 
I've seen this movie before. The bad guy gets shot by the good cop, okay? So stop turning the TV on. Amazingly, the TV stayed off. My son and I often tried to puzzle out who our visitor was. He just didn't feel familiar, but neither did he feel threatening. I moved and thought we'd left him behind until the doorbell of my new house started going off in the middle of the night for no apparent reason. The really weird thing was that the bell chimed a different tune than the normal four notes it usually chimed. We started joking how our visitor had finally found us and was asking to be let in. One night, when the chimes went off at 3 a.m., I simply said, I'm sorry, but I don't want to let you in here. They never chimed again. I've never seen him again, and I often wonder who he was. Wow, Louise, that was an amazing and slightly disturbing story. Uh, We have dealt with some folks who have sent in shadow figure stories before, and this has kind of the same elements to it, but the kind of disturbing thing to me was, uh, first off, the dimes appearing, which is very strange. I've read of many accounts where objects randomly appear. Uh, Usually, though, they're objects that are within the house that will disappear and then reappear at some point later on. They don't generally tend to materialize out of thin air, such as uh, your dime experience. So I'm not really sure what's going on with that. It was very interesting, though. Uh, The other thing that's kind of disturbing to me, outside of obviously the activity that you had, because uh, poltergeist activity involved with shadow people does not normally lend itself towards good things, but then also the fact that this entity seemed to follow you. I would hope that you don't have anything attached to you. And it definitely sounds like you handled it the proper way by not inviting this entity back into your house because uh, it would not probably end up very good for you. Uh, We've seen a few times where entities have followed people from one location to another, which is not really reminiscent of haunting activity as much as it's... uh, a symptom of demonic activity, which, and not to try to scare you or anything, it's just the reality of the situation. Normally, ghosts cannot travel from one location to another. Now, of course, if they're attached to objects, that's a completely different situation. But you wouldn't find a ghost or a spirit trying to gain access to your house if that was the case. You would simply have activity follow you from one location to another. If you were hearing, say, taps on a table or something like that in one home and that table was the object that the spirit was attached to, when you moved, you'd still hear the taps from the table instantly. It wouldn't be a situation where the spirit activity would stop and then you would hear knocking or doorbells, things like that, where something's trying to gain access. Uh, So... At any rate, I'm glad that you handled it the way you did. I think in the long run, you're going to find that that was probably the best thing that you could have done. And I hope you guys are still experiencing some peace and quiet in your house after all this time. Thanks for sending your story in. That was incredible. 
Our next story of the evening is titled Southern Gothic and was sent in by a listener named Kurt. Okay, Kurt, let's see what you sent to us. In 1987, I was living in a rented house in Atlanta, Georgia, along with four roommates. We lived there for just over a year, and during that time, we had several experiences with what we later became convinced was an actual ghostly presence. The house was located in an area of Atlanta known as Grant Park, and was well over a hundred years old. It was a beautiful old Victorian that had been built sometime just after the American Civil War when Atlanta had been burned and destroyed by Union forces. We were all pretty young, in our 20s, and trying to get started in our respective careers. So the prospect of sharing the rent for a wonderful old two-story, five-bedroom house with both an attic and full basement was an attractive one. One week after moving in, Around three in the morning, we were all asleep in our rooms when we were awakened by screaming from our roommate, whom I'll call Hannah. We all jumped out of bed and rushed into Hannah's room. She was sitting up, saying that she had woken up to see the dark figure of a man standing next to her bed, looking down at her. She said that when she had screamed, the figure turned and walked out of the room. She was very scared and highly agitated. Myself and the other male roommate immediately checked out the inside and outside of the house, but we couldn't find an intruder, and all of the doors and windows were still locked. We finally got Hannah to calm down, and everyone went back to bed. The next day, we just chalked up this first incident to nervousness about living in a new home, That just happened to be a creaky and somewhat spooky old antique house. However, Hannah would not hear of that explanation and, in the ensuing days, continued to insist that she had seen this dark figure standing by her bed. She refused also to stay in that house alone after that. About two weeks after that first incident, we were once again all asleep when Suddenly, there was a very loud crash and the sound of tinkling glass from the hallway that separated all of the bedrooms and a common bathroom. Once more, we all jumped up and ran out into the hall where we found that a full-length mirror that had been mounted onto the bathroom door had shattered into hundreds of pieces all over the floor. Since everyone had been asleep, we could not figure out how this had happened as the mirror frame was still securely fastened to the door and only the glass itself had been broken. Atlanta is definitely not prone to earthquakes and the street was not a busy one as far as vehicle traffic, so we ruled out the possibility that a large truck had passed by and somehow caused vibrations to occur inside the place. Later, similar poltergeist-type activity would manifest itself in many other ways. There was one instance when I was home alone in the house watching television when, for no good reason that I could later ascertain, three candles that were sitting on the fireplace mantel suddenly fell off onto the floor, almost as if someone had swept them off with a hand. Then there was the phenomenon that we all experienced at one time or another 
where personal objects and other items would go missing, only to turn up later in a place where the owner would swear that he or she had not left them. For example, on one occasion, missing car keys were found lying on the middle of the person's bed after a thorough search had been conducted for them by everyone home at the time. Other strange activity came in the form of knocking and tapping sounds heard coming from either the attic or the basement when it was certain that no one was in either space. The only other incident that involved the sighting of an actual entity occurred about two months after we had moved in. We were having a small party at our place and a house guest, who none of us had met prior to the party, was taking a personal tour of the place on her own. She suddenly came running up from downstairs, saying that she had just seen a man standing in the corner of the basement. She said that when she had called out to him, he simply disappeared. We immediately went down to the basement to check and, of course, found nobody there. This is most interesting because there was only one entrance leading into or out of the basement, and a person who might have been trying to play a trick would not have been able to escape past anyone without being seen. The house guest who saw the figure in the basement was a new acquaintance whom we later determined had no prior knowledge that our place had any sort of unusual activity connected to it. After about six months of this, things seemed to quiet down and no more ghost activity was noticed or reported by anyone. We began to convince ourselves that maybe we had all overreacted to some degree and perhaps we were just being overly imaginative about the whole thing. Finally, towards the end of our time living in the house, my wife and I were out at a restaurant one evening having a drink and dinner. We struck up a conversation with another couple sitting at a table nearby, two people who were complete strangers to us and whom we happened to meet that night by total chance. When they asked us where we were living in Atlanta, we told them about our place in Grant Park. They said, really? We used to live in Grant Park. What street do you live on? We told them and they said, that's interesting. We used to rent a house on that same street. What's your address? When we gave our address to them, they said, oh my God, we used to rent that exact same house ourselves. Immediately followed by the woman saying, have you seen the ghost yet? Well, you can imagine that both my wife and I were completely flabbergasted to have received such validation about our ghost problem from two complete strangers. We ended up comparing notes with them and they told us about many strange happenings that they had witnessed in the house that were quite similar to our own. That experience thoroughly convinced me that there really is something to the whole subject of ghosts. And afterwards, I no longer dismissed similar stories that I heard from other people quite so easily. Wow, Kurt, that was an absolutely amazing story. And I'm pretty familiar with Atlanta, uh, specifically and coincidentally, the Grant Park area. And for all you folks out there, if y'all are ever in the Atlanta area, and especially if you really like 
older homes, I highly recommend driving through the Grant Park uh, District. It is absolutely beautiful as far as old Southern architecture. As Kurt mentioned, and as most of us know, Atlanta was burned in the Civil War, and it is not necessarily, because of that, known for having really, really, really old houses. But the Grant Park area and several other areas in Atlanta were scenes of heavy construction immediately after that. So you you definitely get a feel for that time period when you go through that part of town. Uh, It's definitely a a must-see neighborhood in Atlanta if, again, you get the chance. Now, going back to your activity that you were having in the house, it sounds like you had perfect classic haunting symptoms. You had every single thing that you would hope to see in a haunted house, unless, of course, you were living in it. Um, but you had the apparitions, you had the knocking and the tappings. Uh, the mirror breaking was absolutely bizarre. And I have seen that myself, not mirrors, but windows, things like that. And a lot of times, investigators will try to dismiss things like that as being temperature fluctuations uh, or random acts like that. The problem is that if you've ever tried to crack or shatter a mirror with temperature fluctuations, you realize how much temperature you have to actually put in. It has to get extremely hot and then extremely cold immediately afterwards, which is way more difficult than people even think. What folks a lot of times will think is that it's just has to be hot and then all of a sudden get cold and that will crack a glass or something like that but it will not shatter a mirror and especially fairly violently so it sounds like you had i don't want to say an angry spirit there but you definitely had one that was physically active as well as spiritually active it was also neat that you guys happened to run into a couple that had rented the house prior to you folks and was able to confirm that kind of experience that's definitely a fortuitous thing and A lot of times, folks will try to dismiss their experiences as being either their imagination or perhaps uh, maybe them misinterpreting things until they run into somebody who lived in the same spot and had the exact same experiences, which validates everything that they've experienced. And I'm glad that that did kind of turn you around to where now you believe stories that other folks tell you a little more readily. It's always a good idea to keep that kind of thing in mind and understand that most people don't tell stories for sensational reasons. They're actually kind of nervous about expressing what they've experienced in houses where they could be opening themselves up to ridicule about experiencing hauntings, things like that. So understand that if somebody's telling you about an experience that they've had, they are almost 100% of the time telling you the truth. Now, it might be that they didn't actually experience haunting activity, that they're misinterpreting things, but their experience itself is definitely not something to dismiss, which is part of the reason we do this show and part of the reason that we have a no-judgment zone here. We want you guys to feel comfortable with your stories, ideally because we want this to be a safe place where we understand that everything that happened to you guys, while maybe not explainable, is definitely something that you experienced. Um, At any rate, Kurt, I really appreciate you sending your story in. That was absolutely incredible. Okay, our last story of the evening is probably, as far as I can remember, our first story from France. It was sent to us 
by a listener named Paulette, and she has titled it The Girl on the Roof. Okay, Paulette, Girl on the Roof sounds fairly interesting. Let's see what you sent. This is a ghostly encounter my friend Lucy and I encountered when my family and hers went on vacation together in Lyon in 2004. We drove all the way to Lyon from our hometown to stay for about two days. We used Lucy's dad's van so our families would fit in comfortably. When we got to Lyon, my dad told us that he had a stepsister living north of Lyon and that he wanted to quickly visit her first. We got to her house, which was quite an old yet very exquisite looking home. It was a two-story house with a marble terrace on the second floor. There were a few houses neighboring it, and a cream-colored doghouse stood to the left in front of it. My dad got out of the van and told everyone that he was just going to have a quick chat with his sister, and then we would be off again. Lucy and I, happy to be out of the van and with the feeling of needing to explore, decided to check out the backyard while my mother, Lucy's parents, Lucy's younger sister, and my younger brother stayed in the van with the door slid open. When we got around to the backyard, all that was there was an old decaying garden shed and some really annoying bushes. Lucy and I just ran around making fools out of ourselves. Out of nowhere, we heard the distinctive laughing of what seemed to be a little girl. We looked around and saw no one. It was only us in the backyard. We decided to not mind it and went on looking around. Just when we were about to leave the backyard, the laughing was there again. It was starting to give us goosebumps, so we hurried out of the backyard and towards the van. My dad was already in the van. Just when Lucy and I were getting close to it, we heard the laugh again. But this time it seemed to be closer and much scarier. The only way that I can describe it is that the giggling somehow had a mix of terror and remorse. We looked at the house for a last time, and to our horror, we both saw a little girl on the roof, wearing a dirty white dress with nothing on her feet, smiling and waving at us. The most scary thing about it was that she was pale and seemed transparent. I thought straight away that this little girl has already departed life and was here in the present to finish some unsettled business. Mom, did you see that? Lucy yelled to her mother, pointing at the roof. What, sweetheart? Her mother questioned, looking briefly at the house, and it seemed like she saw nothing. Lucy stared at me and elbowed me. She looked again at the roof, and I knew that she was just plain frightened, because she looked away quickly with her hands shivering. We were so scared out of our wits that we hurried back inside the van roughly. Hoping to see nothing, I sucked up the courage and decided to look out the van window for one last time. Still, the little girl was there, smiling, her messy auburn hair staying still even though there was a mild wind blowing through the neighborhood. 
today, I still can't forget that experience. I never bothered to ask my parents who lived in my dad's stepsister's house before she did, because it would just give me this really uncomfortable feeling. In fact, just typing this right now gives me the creeps. Wow, Paulette. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. That's kind of a creepy story. Um, I cannot imagine why you would see the ghost of a little girl on the roof of a house. Uh, it, seeing her inside the house, I can understand. Seeing her in the backyard, I can understand. On the roof, I've never heard of that. That's very interesting. Uh, makes me wonder if it was actually a little girl or maybe something a little more malevolent than that. It would be definitely interesting to find out the history of the home and to find out what could possibly be there. And also to find out if your father's uh, stepsister had had any experiences on her own. Again, a lot of times we see kids experience things that adults don't. And you were younger when this happened. And as you said, your friend's mother looked and apparently didn't see anything. Or if she did see something, decided not to acknowledge it. So it's kind of unique that you guys would see something and nobody else would. Which again ties into the story we had before where children experience things that adults don't because they're not taught to not experience them. Although you do say in your story that you acknowledge that you felt like this was not a living little girl. So you knew what was going on, even if the folks around you didn't. Uh, definitely a very creepy story, and I really appreciate you sending that in. Thank you very much, Paulette. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I would like to thank uh, Higaki and Kurt and Paulette and Louise for sending in your stories. You guys are absolute rock stars. And if you would like to be a rock star and have your experience shared on our broadcast, just email it to us at trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. And we'd be glad to share your stories on one of our future shows. Also, if you're on Facebook, check us out at trueparanormal-thepodcast. And give us a like and be sure to message us or email us from that location and send us your stories that way. Also, we've got a lot of articles and things like that on there. So check those out and give us some comments and let us know what you think about the stuff we have on the page. We love hearing back from you guys. If you're listening to us on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating and a review if you get a chance. And check out our show archives there. It's a lot of interesting topics that we built up over the last several months just for you guys in the meantime this is leo rizzuti this has been true paranormal the podcast we'd like to thank you guys for joining us this week and every week and be sure to join us again next week for another episode of true paranormal the podcast